3: Hello! And
1: welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
3: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take on your etiquette questions on...
3: Thank you, thank you, thank yous. We put in so many thank you note questions this time.
1: What to include in a thank you note, sending really late thank yous, daughter-in-law disputes, how to introduce yourself to new neighbors. Okay,
3: we got some non-thank you questions in, but your also most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment from my cousin Dan on white tie of.
1: Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute.
3: I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post Senning.
3: And I'm back.
1: Welcome home.
3: (laughs) I have a new skill.
1: What is this new skill?
3: I learned to fly fish this weekend. (laughs)
1: You didn't know how to fly fish before this weekend? I didn't know how to fly fish
3: before. I knew how to fish. I didn't know how to fly fish, which is an entirely different thing. Congratulations. It is awesome. It is awesome. I loved it. I had so much fun. It was awesome. I got to go out to Colorado with a few friends, and we went on a learn-to-fly-fish weekend, and I did. It was great. Mission accomplished.
1: Walked up trout streams and oh. looked at the mountains.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I fell in the river, and <laughs> hurt. got some good purple bruises. But no, it was a lot of fun. I got one fish on the like really on the line where I was fighting and we were hoping, and then he jumped off. So mm-hmm. that was it. And then by accident, managed to catch a little teeny tiny four incher that I got a somewhat blurry photo of. <laughs>
1: the skunk is off the boat.
3: <laughs> exactly, but it was it was a ton of fun. Really enjoyed being out in Durango, Colorado. And uh, would love to get back and do this again sometime. I'll have to get my own gear eventually.
1: I am so officially jealous.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It was a very fun trip. I had a very good time. Uh, There was a lot of etiquette involved in... Thank yous and coordination and everything, and I tried to forget about it all so I could have a nice long weekend.
1: Traveling with friends.
3: (laughs) Exactly.
1: How are things in Vermont? It was a beautiful weekend, but I'm still jealous of your River Runs (laughs) Through It experience. No giant
3: family reunions or baby showers or anything. No, no. It was a relaxing, quiet weekend on the hill.
1: It really was. Nice. Yay.
3: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm back to work, so should we get to work and answer some questions? Let's get to it. All right
1: awesome etiquette is so pleased to be answering your questions on how to behave if you have a question for us you can email it to awesome at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND that's 802-858-5463 or hit us up on twitter or facebook just use the hashtag awesome etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show
3: Our first question is titled, To Thank or Not to Thank? That is the question. I think we've used that title before, but I'm using it again. (laughs) Dear Lizzie and Dan, hello! My husband and I were invited to celebrate a birthday dinner with our friends who organized the dinner and his parents. When it came time to pay, our friend's mother insisted on one check for everything, including my husband's and my meals. However, our friend slipped something to his mother, a credit card or gift card perhaps, when she had the bill. When the waiter returned, she left the tip and signed the receipt. I want to write a thank you note, but I'm not sure who really paid for the meal. Should I write two generic thank you notes, one to the couple and the other to his parents, thanking them for inviting us to dinner and including us in the birthday celebration? Should I even consider asking who really paid so that I can write a more specific thank you? Or perhaps a general thanks at dinner was enough, and I don't need to write a thank you note, which might avoid all confusion. I'm not even sure if my verbal thank yous were directed at the correct person. Sincerely, to thank or not to thank, that is the question. And it's a great question, right? Just like off the top of my head, I'm going, it's none of your business who paid for the meal, right? You thank who invited you? I think you can. Yeah.
1: I think you thank and thank and thank. You
3: just as many thank yous as possible. Here. Why
1: not? Yeah. And I understand the desire to want to be specific, to thank someone for treating you yeah. or to to really identify who the official host was. But it really sounds to me like there's hosts in different capacities here. Yeah. And I think you can thank while staying general. And, and I wouldn't make an inquiry yeah. about who paid for the meal.
3: No, I would not either. Because it really – as a guest, it's really not your – your place to know the financial background of the event that you're attending, you know?
1: At least when that sort of happened discreetly and Correct. Mother had officially said, I'd like to cover this. Yes,
3: the fact that you witnessed the slipping of whatever it was kind of under the table to Mother, that's really something you weren't supposed to be privy to, my guess. Otherwise, they would have just said it out loud. So we aren't trying to kind of. Pull that out and identify it.
1: No. And I think because the offer to pay was public, yes. you can always say thank you so much for having me. I think that's a good general yeah. language inviting that you could me. use here. I would use inviting for the couple mm-hmm. because it seems like if they are the connection. Out, yeah. exactly. So you could parse it out that way a little bit without – Getting too deep or too yeah. far down into those weeds where you're, you're not sure of the details and really the details aren't so, so important. What's really important is that generous thanks, that exactly. opportunity to connect. And if you're feeling inspired to go beyond that thanks in person, sometimes that's enough. Mm-hmm. I say go with that inspiration.
3: You mean the inspiration to go beyond? Yes. To not? Yeah. There you go. Okay. So, but my guess is that we don't probably know the mother's address, so you'd probably just send two thank you notes to the. Either call up your friends and and ask the mother's address, so you could just write a note of thanks. You could say that. I'm guessing that you know your friend's home address, or could at least easily get it. But I love Dan's idea. Write write those thank you notes. Write them for. Being welcome to join and celebrate with everyone. Don't mention who paid, but you can certainly send a note to both the kind of head matriarch of this family as well as your friends. I think that would be totally appropriate. I like all that language.
1: Let's keep going with the sample script. Okay, scripts. do it, do it. Bring it on. You could always thank <laughs> your host or whoever invited you for including you. You can mention something always. specific to the evening or to mm-hmm. the event or the experience that – doesn't have to do with this that can help start to personalize that note just a little bit, make it significant. Thank you notes are not long expositions. They can be short. They can be sweet. It is nice to find a thing or two, just a personal connection or two that's really going to personalize that note. So
3: maybe like something from the conversation or the food that was so wonderful. Like, thank you so much for including me. I couldn't believe how great that duck appetizer was. I'm so glad everyone loved it. And what a wonderful way to celebrate with friends and family. Boom, right?
1: So to thank or not to thank?
3: (laughs) We say thank.
1: (laughs) And hope that that clears up the question.
0: May I please thank you? Words that make day-to-day living go smoothly.
3: Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Our next question is titled, thank you and...
1: (laughs) Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you so much for the Awesome Etiquette podcast. I've always been an etiquette geek. I started reading Peggy Post almost as soon as I could read. We will be sure to let her know. Yes. I'd like to know where you stand on asking about the origin of a gift in the thank you note. We received a beautiful wall hanging of the Last Supper from my dear aunt and uncle as a wedding gift. My aunt later told me it had been their own wedding gift 60 years ago. Knowing that makes it even more precious, and then I recalled seeing it in their home growing up. Another aunt gave us a beautiful crocheted doily, which I assume was handmade. Her mother, my late grandmother, crocheted nearly every day of her life. I suspect that my aunt spent hours creating it herself. My brother and his wife received an almost identical doily from the same aunt as their wedding gift, a month after ours. We are a very busy family suddenly. (laughs) I'm not as close to this aunt, so I don't have her phone number or email address for a casual inquiry, but I could get that information easily. I've already written the note. Was it okay to ask if she made it, or whether it was an heirloom from grandma? I mentioned how much I appreciate handmade gifts, as it is like having a piece of family in our home. Should I have reached out specifically to ask her personally? I did what I thought was proper in the moment, but now I wonder if such a request for information should have been left out of a note of gratitude. Gratefully coveting family heirlooms.
3: This is an interesting question.
1: It is. And and I can't help but notice the similarities to our previous question. It's about... Can you say too much? Can you include too much information in a thank you note? And I think the answer is you, you can.
3: Yeah, you can. You absolutely can say too much. And I
1: think there is a an idea in etiquette generally that discretion is something that people appreciate, a sense of respecting people's privacy of not What do you always say? Discretion or, is the
3: better part of valor, right?
1: There is that the expression <laughs> that my mother loves. Um, sometimes it's better to hold your tongue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in this particular situation, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I don't yeah. think there's – a likelihood that major offense was given. But I do want to address the substance of the question because I hear that little internal voice saying, that sort of nagging, saying, was that a little too much? Did I push the envelope a little bit? Bad, stationary pun intended.
3: I I didn't pick up on that. Um, I want to make kind of a blanket statement on this one. We're talking about family. We're talking about gifts. We're talking about happy, light things. This isn't detrimental. If if her aunt turned out to be a little like, oh, well, what business is it of yours whether I bought it or made it or it was just something in my house? That's the only place where you might get a little pushback, and I just don't think you're going to get that in this situation. It's always good to be aware of the very worst, but I would say this is etiquette light. This is happy times. This is good stuff.
1: (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And I'm also loving in this family the appreciation for family heirlooms, things that people make for each other that get passed around, that connect family to the past and to each other in really personal ways. And I think that it is normal, natural and in some ways wonderful to have a curiosity about these things, and my instinct would be to take the opportunity to have those conversations in person, reach out and connect over that gift that did mean something to you. Oh my goodness, this is an amazing piece of crochet work and is it possible that this she made this yours? herself? If she made this, this is absolutely incredible, yeah. and I want to know that. Or yeah. was this a family heirloom? Did this come from grandma? I'd love to know that. I didn't think this was her style, and yeah. I loved it so much. I want to know more about it. I think that you have a better chance of gauging and managing that discussion in person. Thank you notes are often brief. We we edited this question down yes, just a little did. bit, and there was a, a part of this question where – gratefully coveting family heirlooms talked about her structure for a thank you note and it's it's the model thank you note there's a little personal connection something mentioned about the gift a return to the personal connection that clarity in the note is something that's part of a well-written thank you note thank you notes are often brief and that doesn't mean you can't talk about certain things but oftentimes the the real opportunity to have a longer form discussion is somewhere else
3: gratefully coveting family heirlooms we truly hope you enjoy your gift
1: Our next question is titled, Starting Fresh, New to the Neighborhood.
3: Hey, Dan and Lizzie, my husband and I just bought our first house. Congratulations. The sale literally closed an hour ago. Whoa,
1: really? Congratulations. Can
3: I also just say, I love that your house closed an hour ago, and within an hour you had an etiquette question and emailed. I feel like superhero on call or something.
1: Transitions in life. Like,
3: right? We hope to stay in this house for many years and raise a family there, maybe even grow old there. I have some questions about how to be an awesome neighbor. What's the best way to introduce myself to my new neighbors? Should I knock on their doors, bring baked goods, leave a note, wait for them to come to me? The house is set back from the street with a tall fence, so I can't just sit on my porch and wait for them to walk by, but I feel awkward knocking on doors uninvited. Complicating this further, several of the buildings on the street are duplexes or apartment buildings. I can't quite figure out how to introduce myself to those neighbors, or if I should do so, or how far up the street to go in general." The usual layout of the lot also means that I can see into several neighbors' backyards from my porch. What's the appropriate way to introduce myself to those folks, since I will likely be seeing them perhaps most frequently, but want to respect the privacy of their backyards as much as the space allows? Also, we will be doing some construction on the house in the coming months. Is it appropriate to warn the neighbors of potential upcoming noise and chaos next door? If so, how? Finally, which of these people, if any, do I invite to the housewarming party when we get there? Any other tips on being excellent neighbor that might be different from apartment living? Thanks, Abby. Has a lot of thoughts within the first hour of owning a home.
1: <laughs> it's been a Big day. Big
3: day for Abby. Big day. <laughs>
1: and again, I just want to say congratulations. What a wonderful so thing huge. to be thinking about. And so huge. The unfolding life in front of you and also your your commitment to having good relationships with the people that you're going to be sharing that space with for many years to come.
3: Totally. Totally. OK, let's knock these right out. I think, number one, try to introduce yourself to at least the houses that are like adjacent to you that touch your property. Right? Absolutely. First thing I did when I bought my house, I, I walked over next door, knocked on the door and said, hi, I'm you know Lizzie Post. I just moved in. I bought the place next door.
1: There are times in life when you can go knock on you someone's door. You can do door. that.
3: And you can do that. They might not be home. I would bring a note with me. That way I could just leave it on the door that said, you know, my name is Abby so and so. My husband and I just bought the house next door. But something so that if they aren't home, you have that little note that you can leave just to let them know that you popped by.
1: If you've been keeping an eye open, you have an idea that they're there showing up with a baked good in hand. <laughs> Isn't a bad idea. I, I noticed that in there also.
3: It's not. But typically, it's not the new neighbor that brings over a baked good. Usually, that goes the other way. And you want, the kind of established neighbors are welcoming the new neighbor in with some kind of a treat like that. But Dan is right. There's no reason you can't bake cookies, too. <laughs>
1: And I have to take just the briefest moment to acknowledge that the protocol for exchanging social cards when you were new to the neighborhood used to be a major point of etiquette. If you were <laughs> to go back to the 1922 book of etiquette, oh, yeah. there was – A very strict protocol for how one presented oneself to new neighbors. And
3: Oh, wait. Do you remember the postscript segment that we did where we read the Mrs. Astor thing? Absolutely. And so those of you that are listening, just so you know, we did a piece on this. She wasn't invited to a massive party because she had not left her card that said we've moved to a new address. Protocol. It was a big deal back then.
1: The rules have loosened dramatically since yeah, then, yeah, but the idea of having a little note that you might leave behind that has yeah. some essential information—good way to reach you—is yep. a great idea.
3: It could even just be your email address if that's what you're comfortable, or no contact info, just your names and the fact that you live in the house next door is enough. But I would go to those houses on left and right of you. Do your best if it's a duplex. If it's a duplex, you can walk, you know, go to both front doors. If it is that apartment building, a lot of places in Burlington are broken up like this, where you actually can't see all the front. Front doors of the apartment. You know, you could leave it on that outside door, or you could just not worry about it and catch those people as you see them in passing, that sort of thing. More likely that a building that's broken up into apartments like that might be neighbors coming and going a little more frequently, but that's no reason to not say hi and get to know them.
1: So Speaking of saying hi and getting to know someone, what do you do about this? I can see into people's backyards.
3: I I think we've always said backyards are private. Front yards are more social. So that's one tip to run by. But I think that when it's your first time ever seeing someone and you do catch that neighbor's eye over the fence, giving a wave and seeing if they're receptive to it. You know, they may just give a wave and turn back to their garden and then, you know, okay. Private will say hello back a different time. time. Don't don't take offense to that. Just instead say I'll catch them on another day. If they they do engage when you catch their eye, then this might be the time to go over and you know say hi over the fence or say oh you know please feel free to come on over or oh could I come over and, and just introduce myself properly for a proper handshake or something like that. Boy, you say it in a sweet tone with a smile on your face, and few neighbors are going to get their back up about it. I think. <laughs>
1: Lizzie Post, I'm loving this idea of respecting backyards as private spaces and – also recognizing that front yards are more public places.
3: Right. So my thought is you should take a walk, like go walk along your neighborhood. You're going to get to know people as you see them. You know, they might be in the yard, you give a wave and then they give a wave back. And you said, hey, I just want to introduce myself. I just moved down the street. You'll be able to kind of see what houses are more quiet during like a five o'clock time. If something's really quiet during a five o'clock time, I'm probably not going to go up to it. If there's kids running around, you know, you see people coming and going out the front door, you know, working in the garden. That's probably a good time to say hi
1: as i was reading this question i was thinking about the importance of observation yeah that you're you're new to this
3: scene scene totally
1: and there's going to be something that happens over time as you get to know which of your neighbors never come outside which of your neighbors live very private lives and you're going to learn to respect that and which of your neighbors are regular features on their front yards give yourself some time You're an hour in. And I think some of those questions about how far down the street do I go will Mm -hmm. start to answer themselves. That there will be people that will emerge, that will be natural connectors and people you will get to know and other people that may not join that category. And that's also reasonable, natural and normal.
3: Two last thoughts I just wanted to go off on. One is don't be surprised if more established neighbors in the neighborhood give you a day or two to move in. A lot of times our advice is that you should kind of wait. Not, don't approach someone to say hello to them and introduce yourself when they're carrying boxes or moving furniture. So don't be surprised if as you move into the house, some neighbors kind of hold off on the, that moving week. Um, you might find people start ringing your doorbell or you'll find a note on your own doorstep, you know, in the two or three weeks following your move in. But one of the other things you asked about was the housewarming party. Your housewarming party is mostly for your friends and family to warm the space to make you feel more like at home because your friends have now visited. Certainly invite your neighbors. I would definitely invite, as long as it seems like there's a friendly relationship there, uh, because let's face it, we are dealing with strangers, but you're going to be living next to them, so we hope they aren't strangers for too, too long. But if you have managed to make a contact with them, I would invite them to the housewarming. If you haven't managed to, yet, I really leave that at your discretion because you'll know the houses. You'll know how comfortable you feel. I think that's really up to you.
1: Abby, this is such a big transition in life, and we love how thoughtful you are being about these new relationships that are going to be so important to you. We wish you the best in your new neighborhood. A cheerful greeting for friends you meet. An inquiry about their welfare, and everyone feels
2: more at ease. That's what good manners do.
0: They make everyone
2: feel at ease.
3: Our next question is titled, Your Daughter-in-Law is Right.
1: If you have been invited to a bridal shower, baby shower, wedding, graduation party, birthday party, etc., and are unable to attend, are you obligated to send or give a gift? I was brought up that you were honoring or celebrating the person and would always send a gift, even if I RSVP'd I could not attend. My daughter-in-law said that if you RSVP'd that you could not attend, you do not need to send a gift. She said if she did say she was coming and then for some reason could not go, she would send a gift. I disagree. What does Emily Post say?
3: Uh, Emily Post, first of all, and and Dan Dan post Sunning and and Lizzie Post would say that you are a very thoughtful person. That I love the fact that you, regardless of your attendance of the party, want to honor whomever it is that's being honored at this celebration. And I just think that's very, very generous. The only party on your list that you've given us of bridal shower, baby shower, wedding, graduation party and birthday party where you would be by etiquette, quote-unquote, required or obligated to send a gift, even if you regret, send your regrets and aren't going to attend, is the wedding. For a bridal shower, a baby shower, a graduation party, or a birthday party, if you do not attend, you do not have to send a gift. Okay, that's the actual etiquette of it. Talk, talk to me, Kaz. What, what are your thoughts on this?
1: My thoughts are very similar to yours, that yeah. I think that generosity of spirit is admirable, yeah. and I and I always... I'm hesitant to say, oh, you don't have to. The rule is you only have to do it for this one and not for these ones. But there is a purpose behind that concept or that rule. And it frees up hosts to invite a little more broadly and a little more widely Mm -hmm. because the invitation itself doesn't obligate a guest. So there is a a really useful structure to having that concept in mind. Totally. Being aware of that structure and that it's not an obligation, we often talk about how important and how we really prefer to approach etiquette as opportunity, not as obligation. So being aware of those obligations but then seizing opportunities. And I think when someone invites you to a birthday party or a graduation celebration or – a baby shower, these are real opportunities in life. And if you feel inspired to send a gift, you are well within all good etiquette territory to send a gift, whether you attend plan on not, attending, yeah. <laughs> think you're going to attend and then later have to send regrets, that that however that works, that, that's that's a wonderful inspiration. I wouldn't want to put any real restraints on it.
3: Can I bring just a little pocket practicality into this one too? If I – had to send a gift for every birthday party, bridal shower, baby shower, graduation party, I could not attend. My budget for gifts would look really different throughout the year. So I also just want to give uh, comfort to those out there that might be saying, oh my gosh, if that's a rule of etiquette, I'm going to be broke. That's not a rule of etiquette. If you can't attend aside from the wedding, then you don't need to send the gift. Always, always, always remember that your words are a very gracious way to communicate to someone how much you want to celebrate them or how wonderful you think that they are, you know, during a time where we're going to be celebrating them. I think it's really important to remember you can always convey that and it will never be seen
1: as rude. Anonymous, thank you for your question. This is a point of etiquette that comes up and it's nice to have an opportunity to bring a little clarity to it.
2: Everybody tells me to be more thoughtful. Well,
1: I'd like to be more thoughtful. I only knew what
3: it meant. Our next question is titled Do It! Have Fun with It!
1: Dear Lizzie and Dan, I've been enjoying your show for about a year now. I feel it's made me a better, more considerate person, and it's like letting down old friends to tell you what I need to tell you now.
3: Oh my gosh, that took me a minute to understand. I feel okay, what's going to happen?
1: <laughs> my spouse and I have been married for seven years, and we haven't sent out thank you notes. <laughs> I know we do
3: not have scorecards. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> I know it's terrible. We sent them out for about sixty percent of the guests, the non-registry folks, and then never did the registry people. I think I wrote the rest and then didn't mail them or lost them. Maybe either way, I just felt terrible after a while and felt worse and worse as time went on and never finished. Here's the thing: I know exactly who didn't get theirs yet. <laughs> it's about forty people. Whoa. We Could technically write them out a second time right now and send them to people, but I'd be so embarrassed and it would remind people of the hopefully forgotten by now (laughs) mistake we made as newlywed college students. Even worse, I wouldn't know how to phrase the cards, how to address the glaring problem here. Would people be angry at us for reminding them that we'd never showed gratitude in the first place? Should we just move on and forget about it as we've been trying to do for years? Sincerely. Not about to sign my name on this one. Question. No, I know. And I, I, I don't want to, to laugh or make fun if, <laughs> no, th- no. of the genuine concern. But I think that good humor <laughs> is absolutely the key to surviving this particular situation. I'm
3: sorry. I am still laughing at the it's like letting down old friends line. I just think that's hysterical. We would never judge you for this. This happens. This is why we have a show is because this happens. Life gets in the way and the thank you note doesn't get written. And we are here to tell you that even seven years late, that note will be appreciated. In fact, you will erase the hope. I love this. The hopefully forgotten by now mistake that we as newlywed college students made. You will erase that. I can tell you that I I remember the people that I haven't given gifts to yet that I still need to. I've told you about my pile of gifts that I have to get out the door. (laughs) And I also I I do remember the times where, you know, I sent something really nice and never got it. They're not always forgotten. Sometimes they're forgotten. Sometimes they're not. But I got to tell you, I would laugh if i received a thank you note i would receive like this seven years later i would be receiving it in good humor i would think that's awesome that they didn't forget Mm -hmm. i would think all of these wonderful positive humorous things i would not be thinking who do they think they are and oh my goodness seven years is far too late you're not my friend anymore goodbye that is not where my brain would go at all i vote send the note what do you vote
1: I absolutely vote send the note. Yeah. And I love the laughter Lizzie Post. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm hoping other people have it, too. No, but, and and yeah.
1: I and because it fuses the answer that we're giving with the spirit of it's never too late. It's never too late. And it's never too late to show gratitude, to connect with someone. And...
3: Take the paper bag off your face. It's okay. <laughs>
1: and, and and like you, I, I appreciated that early line in this question. I feel like I'm letting down old friends. And we could not be any further from the idea that etiquette is about judgment. I right. would never presume to judge someone for a particular mistake like this. And one of the reasons I had to call out guilty, I too, like my cousin, yeah. have that pile of gifts that <laughs> need to go were purchased door. and still need to go out the door. I myself I know what's coming three years late on some of my wedding thank yous. And ah! and you know what? They went to the people in my life who I was the closest to. Oh, yeah. Like totally. you where it was the people on the registry list. They were the people whose relationships I treasured and honored so much. It was almost like they could afford that informality, that imposition. It's terrible. It's the opposite of yeah. good etiquette. And yeah, at yeah. the same time, I think it's a natural human instinct and totally. impulse. And I will also just share from my personal experience that three years late, I I dug out that old wedding stationery, the stationery (laughs) that now looks to me like a part of my past. It's in wedding scrapbooks. The
3: the stationery you spent hours (laughs) debating about and and couldn't believe the price tag that came with it. And
1: and, and, and so what I decided to do, like you having – felt really terrible about this in some ways was to both write out that thank you note but then also to, to make a little gift and I got picture frames where I put pictures of the people at the wedding enjoying themselves oh, having a nice. good time and I gave my thank you notes with a little thank you gift for their participation as well and yeah. I did it with that smile on my face I did it with all the good humor that I could muster and also with an appropriate amount of sort of earnest and genuine contrition the, the even longer story is that I'd always wanted to do this and part of the reason these thank had taken so long is yeah. that I really had wanted to deliver wanted them to with all the of top, these extra though, flourishes and
3: then didn't do it. Send the note. You asked for language. I would say something like, I am thoroughly embarrassed at how long it has taken me to send this note to you, but I would like to fully focus on thanking you for the amazing gift. We've been using it for years or it was so the perfect thing and I still am thinking about it. And I want to let you know that I am so grateful for your attendance at our wedding, for your support of our marriage, and for your friendship or love or whatever it is that that makes sense for the relationship over the past seven years. Something like that. I mean, if that showed up on your doorstep, would you just be like, oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) Like. You wouldn't think, what a jerk, right? No,
1: absolutely. And I love the sample script. And one of the things I like about your sample script is that it shows a, an appropriate dosage of contrition. Okay, cool. That I, I, <laughs> I do think there is a semi-serious point of etiquette yes. here that you do want to show some awareness both of yourself and of the nature of the relationship. If yes. it's someone who you really suspect you gave serious offense to, I think that that dose of contrition might be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, I think some people are really going to appreciate the humor of the situation. And with them, you can approach a little more human and also a little just a a hint of genuine um, contrition and apology.
3: Well, maybe like a teaspoon. Yeah. Like, I like that. (laughs) But but
1: definitely um, whether it's an apology, a joke or just a little sort of earnest something, I think think about the relationship, do whatever works, but definitely do something.
3: Definitely send those 40 notes. Don't be embarrassed about having to do so. As Dan said, you can have, depending on the relationship and the person, the appropriate amount of apology with your thank you, but keep the focus on the thank you. Goodness, what a wonderful surprise that was! Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you.
3: Thank you for your questions, and please send us updates and comments. How'd the advice work? Did something else become a solution that we hadn't thought of? We want to hear about it. Please send your updates, comments, and new questions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463, or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette, so we know you want your question or comment on the show.
1: Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Last week, we had my parents' friend Hope chime in about cyclist safety when it comes to cars and sharing the road. And today, we have Gwen from Austin who has this reminder when considering heavy and slow traffic in regards to motorcycles.
3: Hello! Congrats on the big 150! I've been listening since your DPD days. Well, thank you. I wanted to add a note regarding a recent episode where you discuss cars zipping by stopped traffic, trying to gain the advantage on a merging lane. Just an FYI to car drivers everywhere, in some states, motorcycles are allowed to drive down the shoulder or passing lane when traffic is stopped For heat safety reasons, sitting in traffic on hot asphalt surrounded by heat-producing cars can be dangerous to motorcyclists' health, even on cooler days." Thanks for keeping me mindful of consideration, respect, and honesty. Sincerely, Gwen in Austin. This is a great tip.
1: And thank you, Gwen in Austin, for reminding all us to stay aware of motorcycles on the road as well, particularly in those merging situations where there is some added caution required.
3: What I love about advice like this is it's something that I, who, I'm, I don't ride a motorcycle and I, I haven't been around people who do so I'm not a passenger on one frequently. I would never, ever think of that. And I bet so many people sit in their cars and get grumbly in their heads as they watch motorcycles go by and they don't realize that this is a safety thing and it's actually really great that they're doing this. I love it. And for our next piece of feedback, Kirsten wrote in about cutters from episode 152.
1: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Love the podcast. It's truly one of my faves. Yay. I had a thought on Cutting in Line, episode 152, that I didn't hear mentioned. I know the writer was asking about their own best etiquette in the situation, but as I was listening and wondering what I'd do, I also put myself in the shoes of those who were first to arrive and get in line. It seems if I was waiting on a couple of friends who I knew were just a few minutes behind me, I'd wait outside the venue, on the sidewalk, etc., so that everyone could enter the line together at once, and thus not put friends in the position of having to ask to cut or be awkwardly behind in line. This is assuming, as you said, that the weather is pleasant and once through the line, everyone will be accommodated. Right. It seems that just a bit of patience on the part of those first to arrive could alleviate the entire issue. Hope that makes sense. All the best, Kirsten. Kirsten, thanks for the feedback. I'm so pleased to hear that this inspired this level of reflection <laughs> in you as well. That's always our hope about this show is that it will inspire people to think about how they're behaving. and absolutely the, the the cutting back concept or the idea that you might even just wait and <laughs> <Right. No, laughs> show <no. laughs> a little patience and w- wait wait to join the line till everyone was together is, is really a very elegant and simple solution to this particular etiquette problem.
3: I love it. as Dan knows, we we often will delve deep into into parts of a problem, and we sometimes forget to put quite a lot of emphasis on the obvious and very easy like way to solve it, which I think, yeah, waiting to get in line altogether really does solve a lot of those issues kirsten thank you so much
1: thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates please do keep them coming you can send your next comment update or question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND that's 802-858-5463
3: It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette, and today's Postscript is about white tie. Laid on me, cuz. You are my king of dapper. Do we see this anymore? Do people get to do white tie? Is this a thing?
1: Very seldom. (laughs) It is the opportunities that we have to go to the nines are rare, few and far between. I recently was a source for an article that was about uh, weddings that were the height of formality and how to participate well in these situations. And one of the things that came up over the course of doing this interview was people's confusion about what exactly is meant by black tie, what is meant by white tie. And I had some fun thinking about this doing a little research on this. For many people the idea of black tie as being the height of formality yeah. is is an idea that's in mind. There's actually an even more formal event, the white tie event.
3: And tell me, we're, black tie, we're talking tuxedo required. White tie, I'm guessing that's white tuxedo required. But wait, white tuxedo? No. You don't, Not I don't see quite. men in white pants. What's going on here? Help define.
1: Okay. So tell me what we're doing. A tuxedo <laughs> is absolutely black tie appropriate attire. Okay. But one of the things that people like about black tie that makes it a little more informal is that even though it's evening attire this is attire that you wouldn't necessarily wear during the day so it's not your work suit yeah you could still wear a dark suit to black tie you could still wear a black tie to a black tie event
3: I, you're blowing my mind of course the you're only the... tuxedo i'm like oh and wait a minute don't we write in our book black tie is tuxedo only required suit not okay
1: there's some permutation available. The safest garment for black tie is going to be that tuxedo that classic with tux. a black bow tie.
3: Okay. But. <laughs> <laughs> this is why our books keep coming back. There are buts.
1: There is that, that, that element of choice okay. that starts to give you more options, and really makes it a slightly less formal event. When you go white tie, okay. it's a much more specific dress code. Okay. The degree of latitude that you're afforded when you're thinking about a white tie event is much smaller.
3: I'm now picturing, for instance, invitations that have said festive black tie, creative black tie, beach exactly. black tie. I have never – well, first of all, I don't think I've ever received a white tie invitation. but
1: Officially me either.
3: Okay. But white tie, you're saying you don't get the option. There's one. Dress code for it and that's it. Absolutely. I am now with us.
1: So white tie, (laughs) the most obvious element of white tie formal tie, and I'm really thinking for men, is the white bow tie. Okay. You're going to tie it yourself. But the other element. (laughs)
3: I like that. So no no (laughs) pre-ties.
1: As an aside,
3: yes. (laughs) Okay. Keep going.
1: The black tail coat. Is the other really distinguishing and obvious feature to a white tie dress code
3: the black outfit. tail coat for the white tie dress code? Yes. Help me figure that out because I thought white tie meant the white tie and the white coat.
1: You don't wear white coat to white tie. What? <laughs> you wear a black tail coat, or in some cases, very very dark deep navy, but <laughs> white tie. Black tail coat's probably your safest option. And by tails, I mean tails. It's got those tails that hang down in the back. Other elements to white tie attire for men are a a waistcoat, a white waistcoat, something that looks like a vest, over a white collar dress shirt, usually with one of those little wing collar. Mother of Pearl cufflinks, patent leather pumps, and black pants, no cuff so
0: spats
3: i mean come on what else (laughs) this is formal
1: elements that you might choose to add include things like a pocket watch white leather gloves a top hat a cane but these are your optional flare elements for white tie but the core the base of a white tie attire outfit for a man white tie white waistcoat white shirt black jacket with tails black pants no cuff patent leather pumps
3: okay so i fully admit i was playing on the the dumb thing here but a lot of people do think that white tie means white jacket too and i'm really glad we've gotten the chance to clear this up today because it is surprising and even when i think i I have it in my head too that when i think white tie i think white jacket like somehow that's more formal but this is really about the most formal of of the dark suits a, a man could ever own
1: absolutely and the the style became sort of very very minimalist and sort of codified around world war 2 Oh, interesting. And has remained relatively the same since then. Yeah. So while the number of opportunities to dress like this have gotten fewer and fewer over the years, when those opportunities present themselves, the idea that you adhere to this dress code is pretty firmly established.
3: Wow, that's amazing. So do you say if you want the white coats as opposed to the black coats, do you, is it white coat?
1: Creative black tie or summer black tie ah, is where those white coats start to come out a little thank more. Thank you for
3: clarifying that. That definitely helps with the image in uh, my head and I'm hoping other people's heads as
1: well. I think this stuff is fun. I really enjoy it and I appreciate your taking a little tour with me on this show and we will provide a link on all of our usual social media channels to a couple of web pages that will help to outline this outfit maybe at the future we'll take a look at what this all means for the ladies.
0: you think you should go dressed like that? Your manners show in the things you do, in the clothes you wear,
3: Each week, we like to end our show on a high note to send you away feeling happy and good about the world you live in. And this week, our salute comes from Cindy. Dan, I think you're really going to like this one.
2: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I wanted to call with an etiquette salute concerning my mom. Shortly after Memorial Day, my mom was diagnosed with a very aggressive brain tumor. She was referred very quickly by her family physician to the Dana Cancer Center in Toledo, Ohio. I cannot begin to express my thanks to this wonderful team of doctors, nurses, radiology technicians, the women at the registration desk, the greeters, and the valet parkers. The level of care, concern, and respect that she has gotten as she embarks on her treatment plan has superseded anything I can imagine. And it is amazing to me how in the midst of all of this, the physicians are able to get us all to laugh and have hope. I would also like to salute all of my mom's sisters, every member of our family, friends and co-workers, and all of those that I don't even know who are praying for her. So to absolutely every person at the Dana Cancer Center in Toledo, Ohio, and all of my mom's prayer warriors, Thank you, thank you, thank you for the exceptional care and support you are giving someone who is so important to so many people.
1: Cuz, you're right. Thank you for bringing that salute to us. And thank you, Cindy, for your incredible salute today. When we first introduce the whole idea of etiquette salutes. The thought in our mind was that there is so much good in the world that oftentimes goes unnoticed. And you've really brought our attention to some of that good today. And I couldn't appreciate it anymore. So let me add <laughs> my thanks to all of those healthcare professionals out there who show up in people's times of need and to all those, I like you how you call them, prayer warriors who offer their thoughts and prayers to people who need them.
3: And all that support staff, too, that they might not be the doctors or nurses at the hospital, but they're the people that you greet, you see. I mean, it just to me, it sounds like the folks over at the Dana Cancer Center are really, really on it. And that's wonderful. So thank you for saluting them, Cindy. Thank you for listening. And
1: thank you to everyone who sent us something.
3: You can send us questions, comments and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at com.
1: Or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
3: On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post.
1: And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And
3: please help us out. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And please consider leaving us a review.
1: Our show is edited by the incredible Chris Albertine. Thank 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 you, you, Chris. Chris.